0: Welcome to Tuesday Take, a weekly podcast where we sit down with Pastor James to get a little insight into life, questions, and past sermons. Our hope is to use God's Word to challenge you and encourage you so that you can see gospel restoration in your everyday life. With that, here's today's episode. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Take, here with Pastor James. Pastor, how are you?
1: Good, man. Just glad to be here with you.
0: Man, what a sweet guy. Mm -hmm. Easter Bunny, bring you anything nice? Chocolate. That's good. Like chocolate bunny. Chocolate bunny. Was it like a two pound? Mm, I don't know what kind it was. Just a bunny. Just a bunny. Look, man, I grew up in the era of VeggieTales and I remember there was a song, uh, The Bunny. Oh, The Uh, Bunny. The bunny. Yeah, that's it, man. And so I'm scarred for me. I think that's why I don't like chocolate now, honestly, if I'm no, going to be from vegetables. really? It may have been. Look, man, it was a very influential time in my life,
1: okay? Interesting. That is very interesting.
0: We, uh, I'm part of that group, I guess because I live three hours from home, but I'm part of that group that's like, my mom doesn't give me an Easter basket anymore, and so my sister got one. I'm a little bitter, but uh, it's okay. I'm making
1: it. I'm thriving. You say mom. I mean, they have things called FedEx and... UPS, and I mean... There is the mail. (laughs) Yeah, you can mail it to me. It can make its way here. Yeah, Venmo, Cash App, (laughs) whatever.
0: (laughs) That's very... I mean, you make good points. I'm going to have to have a phone call Yeah, Apple
1: Cash, you know, whatever. Mommy, if you're listening. (laughs) Yep. He's just got wisdom.
0: Anyway, man, um, jumping into just this week and and things we looked at, man, uh, this is the second year in a row we've kind of done... not-so-traditional Easter. Uh, Last year, like you said Sunday, last year we looked at what happened at the resurrection. Didn't happen. This year we looked at, like, what does this fuel us to do? And, man, just before we even get into questions, what what I know you're a guy who loves questions and you love all that, but, like, what kind of fueled you to, last year and this year, kind of just go off the well-beaten path for Easter?
1: Well, one thing is that, with the uh, resurrection, not, well, we don't have to reinvent the story for sure, but I guess it's like you want it to be somewhat different, but I think a lot of it this year was more of just like, hey, if we really believe this thing, like, shouldn't it cause us to do something? And I started reading the Paul Tripp's book, and it's called Do You Believe? And that's like his whole point of his theology book is he has one chapter about the doctrine, and then the next chapter is how, how should that doctrine actually impact your life. And I think that's the same thing with... um resurrection if we really believe this thing I mean it should cause us to do something and of course you see that in the gospels acts the letters it radically altered their life and so um, I guess I just don't want us to me I don't I don't I don't want to get to a point where I'm like oh yeah I believe all this stuff but it really doesn't shape my life it doesn't alter my life and um so we kind of went a different direction I was a little nervous about it because I, I was seeing everybody uh, probably need to get off Instagram on Easter and see what other churches do. But like, I was like, everybody was like, hope, hope, you know? And I'm like, I felt weird. Cause I was like, we're not really talking about, it. I mean, there is hope, but it's, we're more, it's like, Hey, are you really like, are you really living this thing? You know? So, um, hopefully it was received well.
0: I think it was. I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think that it was challenging and convicting. Um, but you still brought in the aspect of hope, Um, And this isn't on our list of questions, but I'm just going to ask you anyway. Um, I think growing up, you've seen in the church, no matter what generation it's been, there's been some kind of um, disciple-making or outreach program that was taught. Like for my dad, it was RAs and GAs. And then it moved into like Mission Kid and all this kind of stuff. And then like, I don't know if you grew up in it. I grew up in the era of Awana. Uh, We did Awana growing up, and it was very like learn scripture and tell your friends about it. And then I think really in the last 10 to 15 years, now don't get me wrong, there's still some churches that do a lot, but like I see more of like a decline in some of that. Why do you think that is?
1: A decline in those kind of... Like that training. Well, I mean, I guess it, I I don't, and when I was thinking about this, like I don't know if the church is, I don't know if we're under-trained a lot. I mean, most people that have grown up in the church, you've been through training, training Union, you've been through RAs and GAs. You've been you've been through Share Jesus without Fear. I mean, we've been through all of these programs, and yet we still don't just share our faith. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, maybe that that's not the issue. Maybe the issue's not like training. Maybe it's something deeper. Do we really believe these things? Are these things really impacting our life? Are we being filled with the Holy Spirit to empower us to do these things? And so, um, and I guess we may have that mentality. I know I have like oh, I've gone to a class, so therefore I feel better about myself. And it's like, and I think that's Paul Tripp in his new theology book is like, hey, it's not about how much you know. Like, knowing theology is not just supposed to be an intellectual exercise. It's supposed to alter our hearts, what we do. And so, and, I mean, I didn't really dig into this much Um, uh, yesterday. I think I wanted to, but I was like, for time's sake, I mean, I, I would be chasing tangents, but I guess that's why we have a podcast so we can talk about some of these things. But exactly. I was thinking about, like, millennials, okay? So a lot of our generation is leaving the church. And, and I'm not saying all, because we know there are um, there are people that are returning, there are people that are in the church that are in our generation. But one of the things I thought about is, like, think about our generation and people that are leaving the church grew up in a program-saturated church. They grew up going to Sunday school. They grew up going to every time the doors were opened, and yet many of them have still left the church. And so... That's my question of like, could we again? What Will Mancini says? Could we be over-programmed and under-discipled? Um, and for me, I, I think about like, while well, like yes, I went to all those programs and yes, they were good and yes, I learned the Bible. Probably was more impactful for me is like I had people that actually invested in my life personally, and I think that's I think that's what we've got to get to. Programs are not bad. We need teaching things. We, we People need to know Scripture. We need to have community groups, those kind of things. But I think if we just think, oh, because we're doing these things, we're discipling people, because I think the exodus of the millennials are realizing, like, they went through all these things, and yet they're leaving the church. And so um, just because we do a program doesn't mean we're discipling people. Um, and so I think that's kind of the a switch we have to make in our heads maybe a little bit with how we do church.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, yesterday you said a phrase, um, make disciples where we live work and play Um and I think that we all have a level of like that's a, you know we have church things and I feel like we kind of easily could categorize categorize yeah
1: that, let's go with it let's go with it I'll yeah. get a
0: text if it's wrong <laughs> <laughs> Um we kind of throw that in a category and so it's like what does that mean make disciples where we live work and play like obviously like there's some like I get what that means but like wh- wh- when you said it what did you mean
1: so a lot of it came from Vic Green. So Vic Green with Repo Lake Ministry has been meeting with us and trying to just help us formulate just as we, especially as we go into the new season, when I mentioned it Sunday, we want to come in with a new, like we don't want to just move into a new building. We we want to have a vision for what we want, as we want to accomplish the mission of Jesus. Um, And so I think this phrase, to make disciples, we live, work and play is, is shifting our mindset and thinking, you know, we said this idea of there's 168 hours in a week. If you maximize your church time, like church building time, That could be community group, that could be a Wednesday night, that could be worship, whatever. Probably about four hours. Could be more, could be a little less, but let's just say, we'll just say four hours. That leaves 164 hours that's not accounted for. And so I think it's the idea of shifting our mindset of like, what if we got our mindset? Not that Sunday morning is important because, I mean, Scripture says don't forsake the assembling of of together. So, I mean, there is something important about gathering together, singing together, hearing the word together. That is important, and, and that shouldn't be neglected but we also need to shift our mindset of thinking like, it's not just about that, but how can we redeem the other 164 hours? I had a conversation yesterday um, with um, uh, Ori Marsa, with with his dad, Mr. Chris, he's a he's a vet. And we had this conversation yesterday after the service and we were talking about different people. And I said, you know, Mr. Chris, I said, there's going to be people that would never enter the doors of our church, but they have pets and they're going to come to the vet. And so like, you're, like and that's with everybody. I mean, whether that's, Moms, whether that's teachers, coaches, uh, doctors, I mean, whatever you do in life, like you're going to interact with people that may never enter the doors of the church. And so, like, why don't we shift our mindset and thinking, well, how about we see that as like, that's the goal? But I I guess the problem, of course, Vic's brought this up and you've been in the conversation. So, I mean, you know this, but like, I think the problem is it's hard to count that. It's hard to count having those conversations at the bed office, having the conversation at school, having the conversation with your, like it's hard to count that as numbers at our church. And so I think maybe that's why we, you you know what I mean? And so I think that's where it gets, but I think it's shifting our mindset of, hey, what if we redeemed where, and that's kind of the phrase, where we live, work, and play. That's where we spend most of our time. So how about we redeem that?
0: Absolutely. And I think that moves into another phrase you said yesterday, every member empowered. And again, cool saying that we can just kind of throw back in a folder in our head. Um, so what does that look like?
1: So I think every member of power, or I was thinking it was in Ephesians where it says, you know, for us as pastors, our job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And I think for the, a long time, maybe there's been a mentality of, and you said this earlier, hey, why don't we just invite our friends to church? And that's not, that, that's not bad. But, hey, let's invite in, hey, you know, uh, Shane's going to sing some really cool songs. Uh, they're going to talk about Jesus. That's going to impact them. Um, James or Dylan, they may get up and preach. And so that's going to, you know, th- th- they're going to do the work. Or youth, hey, l- hey, just invite your youth friends and Dylan's going to, you know, do the work. But I think it's this shift of mentality of like, hey, our ultimate task is to equip you as members, as people of the church. We're equipping you to go do this thing. You know, because I think going back to the idea of like where people live, work, and play, you're going to interact with people I, I will never interact with. Um, you're going to see th- there's going to be people that are going to feel way more comfortable. And, and this is, I don't like this, but it's the reality of if I say I'm a pastor, like immediately people act different. They change. You know, they're like, oh, can't say this around this guy, you know, um, or whatever. And so, but there's people that would be willing to be around you that may would never, or, never darken the doors of a church or whatever. And so I think it's reshifting this mentality of, Hey, like this mission is on every single person. It's not just on the pastors, not just on the missionaries. It's not just on community group leaders. Like it's on every single person to do this thing. Absolutely. I think the problem is though, is that that's uncomfortable. Um, and you can't hide in
0: that. Yeah. So like, what does it look like like what do you have some practical things of like i know that we've talked about like hey you know you'll see people that i'll maybe never see and have conversations like that we'll never have but like how do i how do i do that like you know like does that make sense
1: yeah like like how how do i make a disciple yeah because i think I i think that
0: like the big thing is like we were taught these things growing up in different ways and it's like well i know in um, you know, 1998, whenever I was going through, I was a, a spark in Awana. Like, I knew these things, but, like, that was six-year-old Shane, who is very different than 30-year-old Shane. And so, like, I think that that's one of the, the things that stops people is, like, I don't know how to practically do this.
1: I think there's probably two two aspects of making disciples. And, I mean, we could we could talk forever about it. I think one is informal and then formal of like th- there is, I think, a formal aspect of like, hey, I want to meet with you and hey, let's go through scripture together. Hey, let's walk through, you know, and, and I have I've had people in my life that did that. Like when I say formal, not, not that like we dressed up or in, like got super like in ties and suits and stuff like that. I'm just saying like that was like, hey, intentionally, I want to meet with you. I want like it was on the
0: books. Yeah.
1: Like yeah. you knew. When yeah, you were Yeah, for that. sure. For sure. And I, I think that that's needed. I think there's also informal of in our just daily life that we take opportunities to um, impact people or the things we use the things we do. So like, for example, I, I think Kirsten, we were talking yesterday when we were driving home or we were driving to her parents for Easter to eat and we were just talking about, you know, and, and somebody just came up to her, made a comment. Kirsten has, has started a blog and somebody was like, Hey, I've really enjoyed reading the blog and it's just really impacted me. And she was like, it meant a lot to me. And I said, Kirsten, I said, Just think about that. Like you're helping make disciples. Like, and she was like, "Well, I guess I I never really thought of it that way." But it's like, hey, like what you're doing, it like it's impacting people for the kingdom. And so, and it's I think it's like starting to everybody to think like, hey, what do you love to do? What are your hobbies? What are how can you redeem things? In order to impact people, to make disciples, to point people, as we said yesterday, I mean, helping someone take one step closer to Jesus. And so sometimes I think when we think of disciple, we put all this pressure on ourselves, you know? Um, like I have to literally do everything. And it's like, hey, just be faithful to Jesus. Be faithful to talk about what he's doing in your life. Be faithful to be there for people. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not saying it's not hard for sure, but I, I don't. Maybe we complicate it a little more than we need to.
0: Yeah, I agree. So uh, you talked about it earlier. It has to be like this change of mentality um, from one thing to the next. Like, how do we actually do that? Like, how does that happen?
1: So I think we. I know for me, I mean, I, even and when I'm when we're talking, me and you are talking about this. What I kept thinking in my head is like, I have to change my mentality. Um, on this whole thing. And I don't have this disciple making figured out. So if you're like, oh, James is an expert on making this. I'm really not. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still like, I think God's doing a work in me through all of this meeting and us to redefine what we do. And so like one of the phrases that Vic's used a lot, and maybe Will Mancini uses it in Future Church too, is like that we change our mentality as a church from going from like a worship center to a training center. And so it's like, again, like viewing our time together is that we don't like our goal is not just to make worship attenders to a service service is important we, we like we want people to be at our services and that's great but like if the end-all be-all is just to make worship attenders then I don't I, I think we're gonna fail in some way like the goal is hey when we we value our time together and it's a training center we view our building our place hey we're here to train people so that they redeem their the other 164 hours. To make disciples, to impact people, to pray with people, to be intentional with people in their friends, their families, the all, you know all, all, everywhere they go, and so I think there's like a it's probably just a shift of mentality, and so it, it's probably going to take time. It's going to take time for all of us because we've all grown up in a church this not not this church. I'm just saying, just in church in general that we've grown up in a way of like here's how it here's how you do church, and so there's some sense of like we've got to like untrain our minds of like hey maybe maybe we need to just shift not, not programs aren't bad service isn't bad but let's see how we can leverage these things to help us to impact all of our all of our life yeah,
0: yeah. and i think these are great things to know <clears throat> but i think one of the questions um that we could have at some point is like these are good like these are great i'm applying these things to my life but where do i do this i think that like that would be the the next. I, I know. Whenever we've met with with Vic, right? One of the things that I, I admire about you, Pastor, is uh, whenever we were doing our Reach One initiative, you kept talking about how like intentional you were with uh, somebody at a at a CVS, a walk, mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And I think for like pastors, one of the things that we struggle with. Dylan said it before too, of like, when's the last time I shared the gospel not from a stage, right? You know, and so I think that like. I think that that's like the catch 22 people kind of look to pastors as like, well, of course they're sharing the gospel all the time. It's like, well, I mean, kind of, yeah. But like one of the things that I've admired about you is always like, man, you, you'd you come in the office and be like, had another intentional conversation with that guy at CVS. And man, it was really, really good. And man, like for me, it was always like, where the heck do I do this? man? Like, how <laughs> do I do this? And so, um, man, for, for me and Kelly, uh, before we moved to Monroe, uh, we live in Weston Road, and it, it for us it looked like conversations with my neighbor, um, just about weather, about it, literally anything that would come up, and so it happens easier than you think. But I think the big, the big question that could keep a lot of people from doing it's like I got all the head knowledge, but how do I practically do it? Where right. do I do this?
1: Well, I know for I mean it's still a challenge for me because I, I still when we're talking about making disciples and, and especially like, so there's, I think there's two aspects to make disciples. One is like evangelism, sharing the God, you know, people who don't know Jesus. And then there's other people that know Jesus and helping, helping them walk even further with Jesus. And so like the evangelism is like, I just feel like I fail a lot in that, in that area, you know, that, because I think for us as pastors, we, I mean, most of my circles around church people, which is not a good thing, um, but that most of our life can be able, and we can insulate ourselves, but anybody can do that. I mean, it, even people that go to church can insulate themselves, and so they look up, and they're just around church people. And so one of the things that we'll probably do this in the fall, because in the fall we're going to actually walk through the new vision and, and everything as we lay out for our church. Um, but one of the things that uh, Vic has had us do, which I think is real helpful, is, is a called a crowd cameo. Which has been, that's one of the things that you like, man. You like the crowd cameo. And uh, basically what it is, is, is just trying to, all right, let's evaluate our circles. And so a, a series of questions of, all right, let's think about your street where you live. Like how many people live in your neighborhood or neighborhood or street, however you want to go. And just just estimate, all right. And then you just say, well, all right, well, how many people on my street? Of course, you may not know this fully, but how many um, take seriously their faith in Christ? So then you'd give a percentage. All right, where do you work, or where do you function during the days? So it could be a stay-at-home mom. It could be somebody who works. Whatever, like, so what? What is that sphere? How many people are in that sphere? And again, what is the percentage? And then talk about your hobbies. Talk about you know things. Do you like to work out? Do you like to fish? Do you whatever it is that you do as an extracurricular activity? Where is that? And then again, you're doing the same thing. You're and so a lot of this is more so of like, hey you actually have a bigger sphere of influence than you realize. Everybody, everybody's listening to this. Like you, you have a sphere of people that are around you. And I think what's the estimated that most people have around, it's like 120 ish people that you can impact just directly from your life. Um, And it could be more than that, but like just in general. And so like, all right, what if we just intentionally started looking at those spheres of influence that we have and then leveraging our influence we have with our family our friends it could be our neighbors. It could be places that we go. And then using that as like, all right, here is my mission field. Here's my, you know, um, and then trying to redeem those things. Now, again, I say this like that. I mean, it's easy. Um, I think it's still hard to intentionally bring conversi- bring conversations to Jesus. Um, but I think just rethinking about all of our life, where we go, where we work, where we play, you know, all these things. Absolutely, man. I think that that's like
0: uh one of the things that we've heard a lot meeting with vic is like something like this you can't hide in Mm -hmm. like whenever you see all of it it's it's really hard to be like yeah not for me like it it really (laughs) makes it because i think that's the thing like the everyday average person i think that the that's the i mean we've talked about it in those meetings with vic it's always like well i don't think i can make an impact in reality like that's probably where, not probably, that's where the most impact can come is because, like you've said, like some people won't come into church. Some people, you won't be able to have a conversation. I won't be able to. Dylan won't be able to. And so, having people empowered and trained and living because of what the resurrection means and like living on mission and living to make disciples. And uh, I, I think that there's no way you can hide in any of
1: this. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, I think, you know, you know, so we talked about like our mission statement, trying to rethink that of like that we wanted a mission statement, not only for congregational but for every individual, but like a place where no one can hide. You know, like you can't just hide on a pew. You know that this is a call for every single person and everyone. Ha- we all have to own this um, if we really want to see the mission of God further. If we really want to see people restored by the gospel, like whether that's in salvation or whether that's in maturing, in, you know, in Christ whatever that spectrum is like every single one of us has to be intentional and I think I know for me I mean I think we just get comfortable we get complacent and we just like I hope the next person does it um, and the reality is I think when we all have that mentality we may look up one day and be like we're not really sharing the gospel we're not really seeing people change and yeah. transformed and again that that's the Holy Spirit's work and I'm not I don't but like I think we, we do have a responsibility in it to be faithful, to help people take steps. I mean, He wants to use us, you know. Um, and so I think it's, if we can really grab hold, and that's been my prayer from my own personal life, and then also for the whole church, if we can really grab hold of this, like, hey, every single person, we all have a role to play in this thing, and we all own that role. Um, man, I, I think God's already on the move, but man, if I think when that grabs hold of us, um, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of really special things of God moving and working. God's already moving and working. Um, we just want to. We just want to be faithful to do what He's asked us to do. You know.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite um, illustrations uh, when it comes to the Great Commission as well. Uh, a guy named Bakari Beckwith. Uh, he's a pastor in Winsboro. Whenever we were down there, uh, we had a big night, a big worship night. A bunch of churches got together, and there was an emphasis on on everything. But the last emphasis we had, and Bakari was uh, speaking on it. It was sharing the gospel with people, going out, and he used the Great Commission as his basis. And um, how he kind of finished it was, uh, he said, so what this means is Jesus looked at you and said, tag, you're it. Like, it's now your turn to go out and get as many people as you can. And, man, like, I don't know, hearing yesterday and remembering all, me and Kelly were talking about it yesterday, of like, man, that's that's it. And it's not hard. I think we like to make it harder because it's easier. Like what you've been saying, it's easier to hide in. But, man, whenever you really see, like, this is what Jesus has done for me, it's really hard not to tell other people about it.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's convicting is, like, I mean, these people saw the— I mean, it changed everything for these men and women. I mean, everything. I mean, they were, like—I mean, they're, like, dramatically different people. I mean, they—and— it's the same thing for us I mean I think when we radically encounter Jesus and we experience that restoring power that we've gone from dead to alive and we experience that I think it should cause it, it well we talked about all year stuff, I don't want to keep repeating it but it should alter our life what we worship what we value yeah. what we go after um, and that we want to be you know about these things absolutely
0: well, man, uh, I'm excited to hear more in the fall about this. I know we're going to go a lot deeper through a series in this. Um, look forward to it. And, uh, man, thanks for sitting down and taking some time. And thank you for checking out another episode of Tuesday
1: Take.